Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be together. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Um, the season is here. It's upon us. Who's excited? Anyone? I put the decorations up last uh, yesterday afternoon. Complete surprise to my wife. I hate doing the decorations. I've spoken about this many times before. Hate it, hate it, hate it. I thought I'm going to muster the energy, get up in the loft, get the stuff down. Got two trees up, two sets of lights up. Did the mantelpiece, you know, the bit above the fire, nativity scene, lights, everything. Absolutely amazing. I thought that is brownie points scored for a long time. Chattel comes home. What's the tree doing up? The shepherds don't go there. You got the lights in the wrong place. Can't win. Just cannot win. So needless to say, that is the last time I'm ever, ever doing the decorations. You may get them from the loft yourself as well. You're on your own. Tis the season, isn't it? So last week at the end, I made a bit of a faux pas. I had sort of said, oh, next week, this week being the first week in Advent, not realizing this is actually the second week of Advent. So I thought I'd try and rectify the situation by taking some time to speak about Advent. And so I want to do a very brief uh, thing about the historical uh, kind of background of Advent, which I learned a lot about uh, during the week in a little bit of reading. So I want to share some of that. makes me look intelligent. Well, it actually makes me look like I've read someone else's stuff. And so I'll regurgitate that to you. And then secondly, um, I want to teach and, and, and help us to remember what I'm talking about this morning through an incredible acronym that I've come up with, uh, which is the, the word warm. We're going to have a very warm Christmas this year, and all will be revealed as we go. And so as I was looking and reading a little bit into Advent, I, I came across the following. I thought it was actually really interesting. that it, the, the word Advent is derived from the Latin word adventus, which means coming, which is a translation of the Greek word parousia. And so Scholars believed uh, originally in the 4th and 5th century, especially uh, in places like Spain and Gaul, that uh, the Advent was a season of preparation for the baptism of new Christians at the January feast of um, Epiphany. And this was a celebration of God's incarnation, the representation of the visit of the Magi, the birth of Jesus, but also together with the baptism of the River Jordan by John the Baptist and the first miracle of Canaan and Galilee. And all of these events were what was celebrated in the early Advent. And during the season, this, this season of preparation of coming, it was actually marked by uh, a 40 days of penance, prayer, and fasting to prepare for the celebration. And in many ways, as I reflected on, that's a far cry to what we have made Advent about. So this was marked by a season of actually doing without in preparation for a celebration, whereas today it's very much a season of with lots and lots and sugar and spice and cream and everything else on top as we celebrate, as we prepare for Christmas. By the 6th century, however, Roman Christians had tied Advent to the coming of Christ. But the coming they had in mind wasn't necessarily the coming that we celebrate, which is the coming of the birth of Jesus. It was when he comes again, as they would look forward uh, to his coming. It wasn't until the turn of the Middle Ages that actually we, and our Advent that we celebrate, is actually linked and tied in 
with the birth of Jesus, with the celebration of when he came. And so we as a church today really find ourselves in many ways with a foot between two parts um, of, of history, really. Like the, the folks in the Old Testament, the folks, the people of Israel, the, the people of God, they looked back and they remembered all of the things that God had done, but longing and looking and preparing and wanting for the arrival of Jesus the Messiah to come. We now find ourselves in this period of history where we both celebrate and we look back and we remember and we prepare ourselves for his coming, but he's come, but also with one other foot looking or one other eye gazed upon the time when he will arrive again, when he will come again and consummate his eternal glory. And so what I'd like us to do really this morning is just is, is talk about four things that all have a letter and it spells the word warm. It's very, very Presbyterian. Uh, or maybe it's Anglican, I don't know. It's, maybe it's traditional. I've never usually do things like that, but I kind of had all these things, and I thought, oh, that letter looks like that. And I started playing like anagrams. Could I come up with a word? The trouble was, you'll find out when it comes to the A. In fact, we'll come to the A in a minute. Let's start with W, warm, waiting. The original Christmas came after hundreds of years of waiting. Prophecies about Jesus were spoken long before he came. In Isaiah 7, 13, says, Then it, Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. And then later in chapter 9, uh, verse 6 and 7 of Isaiah says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and so on and so on. These were prophecies spoken of hundreds of years before Jesus actually came. In fact, scholars would would, would uh, would suggest that the time period before, between the end of the prophets and the coming of Christ is roughly approximately 400 years. The people of God were waiting, waiting expectant for the Messiah to come, to free them from the tyranny of Roman occupation. And this 400-year silence was broken when, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The angel tells Mary, the same angel that had actually visited six months ago to Elizabeth, and, and, and said, You're going to have a son. And he's going to be called John. This broke the silence, the waiting. The waiting was over. The Messiah was to come. And then, of course, you have Mary and Joseph who have to wait a period and process of nine months in expectancy for Jesus to come. Luke 2, Joseph also went up from the town of, Galilee, of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. 
expectant parents they were, like expectant parents that we have in the room. They're going to serve us tea and coffee afterwards. Uh, Matt and Catherine, sorry to um, embarrass you, but that period and that process of waiting and longing and the expectancy of, oh my goodness, life is going to change, and it's going to mean this, and it's going to mean that, but boy, is it exciting as we wait expectantly for what is to come. Christmas itself has a degree of waiting. We're waiting, counting the days down. I remember as a child waiting for Christmas, and I remember I used to say these words, I can't wait till Christmas. And I remember that feeling, that kind of physical feeling in those daydream kind of moments of, oh my goodness, can't wait until that happens. Our world is in a state of waiting, waiting for things to be different. I was with some friends last night, and we were having the the conversation that tends to come up often, which is um, something called COVID. You might have heard of it. And... um, and we sort of said, you know, when is it going to ever sort of change? Just one minute we feel like we're kind of coming out of the woods, and now we've another variant which could affect all our lives again. When? When is it going to ever kind of change for us? <clears throat> Some of us in the room are waiting for other things that are important in our lives, waiting for the results of a medical test, waiting... Um, for the results of an AQE test, as are happening right now, waiting to see if things will ever change, waiting, some of you, to see a loved one which you haven't seen in such a long time, waiting for change, waiting for a baby, waiting to get married, waiting to see a loved one actually pass away, waiting, waiting. The point that we're making here is what is God doing while we wait? He's working in our waiting. And I remember during the second lockdown period, I think we did a teaching or two on it. Um, It was an online thing, it was a Zoom. And it was one of those moments of like, this really feels like the Lord. And I kind of mean that because some of you kind of got in touch and sort of said that, 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 that is it. That's where I'm at right now. And I feel like, I have felt like, this last season, however long it will last for, has been a real season where God is actually working in our waiting. And not to despise what he's doing, even though life feels incredibly challenging and difficult at times. What is he doing? What is he up to? What is he cultivating within us? The last point on waiting is it's a season. This season that we're in is a season where we have the opportunity to wait upon the Lord. The Psalms are filled with these kind of promises. Psalm 40 is one of them. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. And this is a great time and opportunity as we wait to wait upon him. And as we wait, we anticipate. Um, At first, this was expectancy. There's an air of expectancy, but then when we spelt the acronym, it spelt worm instead of warm. So I had to to substitute uh, that to anticipate. So for the three of you that are taking notes, you might want to put in uh, expectancy in brackets beside it. We eagerly wait with anticipation or expectancy. 
I've already kind of alluded to that with, with children who just longing and kind of waiting, waiting, but really excited and anticipating something. And this Christmas season has all kinds of build-up towards it, doesn't it? The gradual build-up. Those of us, uh, those of us, I don't include myself in this, it's sick. Those of you that put up your decorations in November, that is sick, and we will pray for you afterwards. Um, for those of you, you know, th- there's so much shopping that needs to take place, uh, ordering the turkey. I was walking through the DeCourcy Center on Thursday or Friday, and the, you know, the naff Christmas hits are playing, and you're just like, oh, we have to go through all that again. But it kind of builds and builds with this expectancy of anticipation. It's going to come. It's gonna, we're going to get there. We're just counting the days away. Uh, we got a, um advent calendar there the other day. And uh, I'm glad to say that actually we bought it on the 1st of December. I felt like the, the naff husband who buys the Valentine's card on the day. Get there, sold out in Tesco's. I was like, praise the Lord. That's wonderful. I just have to tell Hope there's none there. Except there was a really expensive one. It was like one of those lint chocolate ones. I was like, oh, my goodness, that's a rip-off. I mean, you want to see it. It's like this deep and chocolate in it. It's just amazing. It cost a tenner. I was raging. I was like, there's no way the kids are getting three. There's no way you ever have to buy your children one each. And they, like, take up half the kitchen. Does my head in. And then, and when it comes to recycling, I mean, my goodness, there's cardboard, there's foil, there's all sorts. Plastic. I mean, there's all the three things. You could tent Anyway. I'm waffling. Why am I even telling you this? I have no idea. It's not even in the notes. Surprise, surprise. As we count down in terms of opening the windows towards the expectancy that sometime, someday we're going to get there, we're going to get to Christmas. I wonder what the shepherds were expecting when they visited by the angels. The air of expectancy on that night. What about the magi, the wise men? What were they expecting to find when finally they met Jesus for the first time? I don't know about you, but again, I do feel personally in these last couple of years that sense of expectancy as believers for God to move and God to do things, if I'm honest with you, has been slightly marred and slightly dented. As, as time has gone, it, it is wearisome. It has been wearisome. That, that, those words from that song, the weary world rejoices, it has felt wearisome. And we must remind ourselves that we are a people of expectancy, that we must expect God to move. We must expect him to hear our prayers and to answer our prayers. We are a people of hope. And as our church strapline says, this is a place of hope. As we prepare ourselves for the, this wonderful season as we're in, may we raise the bar again of expectancy of all that God is wanting to do in us and through us. And then on to R, ready. Are we ready for Christmas? Are you ready yet? Think of all the plans that we have to make. I've alluded to some of them already. And uh, I enlisted the help of my friend Michael McIntyre if he would maybe share a thing or two about being ready for Christmas. Oh, yeah, Christmas all happening now, isn't it? All happening. All the women, the women, you can see they get that sort of organizational look in their eye. 
just completely obsessed with planning. I've got to get ready. I've got to get ready. I've got so much to think about. It happens, I think, at the final firework on fireworks night. When you, you have the finale, and the smoke clears, and you see all the women going, Christmas. <laughs> got to start getting ready for Christmas now. Christmas is coming. Don't talk to me. I'm thinking. I'm planning. I need so. There's so much to do, darling. I knew there would be a sense of ah. Oh. I spent too long during my week watching Michael McIntyre videos, trying to glean any bit that I could for this morning. And, I, and it was just brilliant because I just loved it. I spent so much time wasted on it. And then I'm thinking, I can't show that because it's rude. I can't show that because it's like... And then I thought, if I show too much of him, you're not going to want to listen to me afterwards because he's so flipping good. So anyway, there's so much to do. There's so much to get ready for. But are we ready, honestly, to really encounter Jesus? The reason for the season. If I'm honest, there's so many times, there's been so many Christmases when it's been just flat to the mat. You're so busy doing everything, getting everything organized. And, uh, you know, there's so much to do that we often just forget about Jesus. And honestly... We need to prepare ourselves as we journey together through this season of Advent for the celebration, the birth of Jesus. And then, of course, not only that we would be ready for this Christmas and celebrating his birth, but are we honestly, genuinely ready for his return? Would we be ready if he was to uh, come again? Matthew 24 uh, 36, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came. Da, 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 that's a bit in the middle that I was meant to cut out. That is how it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken, one will be left. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. May we be living our lives, our days, expectant for the arrival of him to come again. Are we ready? And then M is about making space. Making space for him. As I said earlier, we have this lovely nativity set. I'm sure some of you have one as well. And it has all the characters, the whole cast are there. You've got Mary and Joseph. and G I don't need to tell you who's in the set. You know who's there. The reality, though, was far from lovely. It must have been utterly brutal. Mary and Joseph, they've had a very long walk. And it gave me the opportunity to show another map. Because I love the maps there. This is according to Google. If you were to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem on foot... It would take you one day, seven hours, which is 145 kilometers. Tell you, that's good going if you have to do it in that time. The reality, being on a donkey, heavily pregnant, I'm just not sure. It would probably take them days to have gotten there. On arrival, there's nowhere to stay but Luke 2, 7. She gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed them in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. However, 
space was made. Yes, a bed for the night in the guest room would have been good. Yes, the Royal Bethlehem Maternity Unit would have been even better for her. But they were not available, but space was made for them to be there. Our dear friends, uh, Andy and Angie, that lead um, Antrim Coast Vineyard there, one of their phrases they use is making room for another. And it so demonstrates their incredible gift of hospitality as they're creating, carving space, opportunities for people to gather, to be together with them, but to be together with him. And we love that about what they're doing. We love this season. We love that this is a season of generosity, of, uh, of giving. I love that what um, Kate shared earlier about the number of hampers that together our church community will distribute together. It's wonderful that, again, you've given generously to cap presents, to give to people that you'll never know who they are or know their name or see their face, but they will be blessed because of your actions and because of your offerings. Next Sunday, as was mentioned, um, during our two services, we're going to take up a financial offering. We'd encourage you to bring cash for that. That would be really helpful. If you can't do it there on the night, I'm sure we can sort something out afterwards. It's something that we don't often do. In fact, rarely in the time we've been going, we ever do, actually, is a, is a physical financial offering. We're going to do that for a charity called Home for Good, of which you will have heard of because we've shown it, we've, uh, Chantel is on the board of Home for Good, and we give actually financially as a church towards their incredible work, uh, working with children, trying to make sure that there is a room and space available for every child who does not necessarily have a home themselves. And so we would encourage you to give to that. Last night in our conversation, I loved hearing stories. I said, you know, what are you doing for Christmas? Thankfully, this year we're going to get, for those of us who choose to, to meet together and have Christmas dinner. And, and I think a couple of people within the room said, oh, we have this person, you know, she's usually on her own, but they usually come to us for Christmas. I'm like, oh, my goodness, isn't that wonderful? It's important that as believers that we spend time making room for others. And the last point, of course, is that we make room and time for him. There are so many incredible devotions that we could be following on a daily basis during Advent. The Lectio 365 is the one I'm following. Um, there's also, uh, I don't need to tell you, just go find them or check our Facebook group. Chantel's often posting things. There are loads of little really good ways that on a daily basis. It's not going to take up an hour of your time. It's going to take up a portion of your time. But boy, it focuses our attention. It creates space in our day, in our time, but it creates space in our hearts for him as we prepare during this time of Advent, as we um, look towards celebrating the birth of Jesus.